Welcome to Unbooking the Tankatory, the bonus series from Unbooking the Territory, where we follow the ups and downs of the in-ring career of Tank Abbott. This week, Tank Abbott challenges for the WCW title against Sid. I'm going to give you the chance of a lifetime there, Doug Dillinger. I'll let you come out here and take a shot on me. Wait till he finds out what's behind door number one. Something down the road at the Silverdome in six playing to an empty house. Because the real deal is here. Oh, here he comes. Get that fat duck ass out here. I'll tell you something, Mike. He's not done yet. This man, Tank Abbott, is making a name for himself. So how are you this week, Dan? I'm very well, mate. I've got to be honest, a little bit merry coming into the recording. I may have had a snifter or two beforehand. But, uh, yeah, life is good. Still riding that wave of, of happiness and positivity. How about you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, as I said, uh, you know, it is Christmas, so you're entitled to a sherry. Yeah. <laughs> well, funny, funny you should say that, because I know you're going to ask me if I'm drinking. And and I am. I'm on a, a white hag uh, Yule, which is a Christmas ale. Uh, which was on sale from our good friends at Hopper Clock, and I, uh, I decided to grab a can because one White Hagger, a very good brewery, and it, and also it was two pound twenty. So, absolute bargain. Yeah, I've gone to our friends at Tartarus Beers. I've got an Abaddon, which is a Russian Imperial Stout. It's seventeen percent and absolutely beautiful. And if you log on to TartarusBeers.co.uk, put in the promo code. UTT Podcast 15, you can get 15% off. You can indeed, and just go and do it. I'm uh, I'm still working my way through at time of recording because I want to get another ordering. It's uh, it's that good. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely loving it. Absolutely loving it. So, Tank Abbott's going to face Sid. We've already actually covered this match on season one of Unbooking the Territory. Um, so if you go back in the archives, the episode from the 28th of February, 2000 we've got all our thoughts on the card from that episode of nitro and the match itself which we'll put a clip in later but before we have this match ed ferrara terry taylor and kevin sullivan are going to log into linkedin and they're going to look at the qualities that sid has that might make him worthy of having a match with tank abbott at this point fantastic entrance music and the fact that he's six foot nine 300 pounds today he was six foot nine 300 pounds yesterday and he'll be six foot nine 300 pounds tomorrow yeah well that, that's good enough for me sid started his first job was working on a farm believe it or not and he actually studied to become a pilot because he wanted to work as a crop duster all right okay right given the size of sid do worry how he would have fit into those little planes I thought you were just going to say that he could drop whatever it was just by holding his arms up rather than... To be fair, he could just throw it. He had a tryout for the USFC, American football team, the Memphis Showboats, uh, but wasn't successful. But he was offered a scholarship to Arkansas State, but felt it would take him two years to get up to the right shape. So he decided not to go for that. Which, yeah, fair enough, because I think... Sorry, did you say USFC or USFL? USFL. Yeah, because US, USFL were a side league that ran not quite in opposition to, but ran sort of alongside the NFL, and the NFL was the big leagues. The USFL, you could make half-decent money at, but I can yeah. fully see why Sid wouldn't want to spend two years getting in shape for the USFL when there was better money to be made elsewhere for 
I, I don't want to say less effort, but without such a, an investment of time. Apparently, the USFL are coming back. They're really? going to be, yeah, they're going to be there in uh, 2022. There's going to be the Tampa Bay Bandits, the Pittsburgh Maulers, the Philadelphia Stars, the New Orleans Breakers, the New Jersey Generals, the Michigan Panthers. Houston Gamblers and the Birmingham Stallions. So it's nice to see uh, the Midlands represented in. Uh... Yeah, well, uh, you know, the NFL have talked, have talked, have talked for a while about getting, you know, the possibility of a UK franchise. But if the USFL uh, revived and get one before them, then brilliant. You know, it, it can't possibly be that there's a Birmingham in somewhere like Alabama. No, no, can't can't possibly be. Can't no, possibly be. Silly. You know, why why win a war for independence and then name you know and keep all the names of the towns from the country that that were there before? Yeah. Who knows? I'll dare to dream, Dan. So at twenty six, Sid meets the Macho Man and Lanny Poffo, and uh, they convince him to get into wrestling. He's trained by Tojo Yakamoto, and Tojo Yakamoto was trained uh, Bobby Eaton. Jackie Fargo, Jeff Jarrett, the um, Moon Dogs, and Tommy Rich. Ooh, some real legends on there, and then kind of muckered his ticket with Jeff Jarrett. He did well. You know, Tommy Rich goes on to be uh, NWA champion. You know, so as does Jeff Jarrett in the territory that he booked. Sid goes on to debut in the Continental Championship Wrestling in 1987. Uh, he's working under a mask as Lord Humongous. I mean, that's a that's a fair description. <laughs> that's, that's a name for his Tinder profile, isn't it? <laughs> they, may have called, they may as well have called himself Long Rod Von Hugendong. <laughs> he goes on to compete in uh, New Japan, challenging um, Tatsumi Fujinami for the IWGP Championship. Oh, fair enough. Didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't know he'd been to Japan, but it makes perfect sense for the time period. Yeah, he has a brief run in World Class where he gets the name Sid Vicious. Which is one of the better names, to be fair. In 89, he signs for WCW and tags with Dan Spivey and the Skyscrapers. Oh, yeah. I always forget that period of Sid's career, but yeah, makes sense. In 1990, he becomes a member of the Four Horsemen. Did he? Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah, but... Uh, oh, but briefly, uh, in 1991, WCW offered him a huge contract and uh, a run with the WCW title, but that's not enough to keep him there. He goes and signs for the World Wrestling Federation. And in 1992, he ends up uh, in the main event of WrestleMania 8 against Hulk Hogan. He does, and we've reviewed that. Yeah. I can't remember who won, but we've uh, we've reviewed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just before WrestleMania 8, he failed a drug test. But he decided after WrestleMania 8, he'd quit and go off and play softball rather than serve in suspension. Why not? If that's an option. Yeah. Uh, 1993, he, re- he returns to WCW. And uh, in October 93, in Blackburn, there's the stabbing with scissors incident with Arn Anderson. Yes, Jesus Christ. I, I don't think we're going to get into it here, but do go and seek out, the, uh, seek out that story. It is insane. It is. It really is. In 94, he works in USWA and the UWF. In 95, he returns to the World Wrestling Federation and wins the WWF title from Shawn Michaels. In 1996, he goes on and wins his second WWF title, uh, winning a four-corner match after Michaels has vacated the title. He was one of those guys who, 
just saying Sid's one of those guys in both companies. If it had stuck around in one company long enough, it just feels like he could have been a much bigger deal than he was. Like, you know, he could have won more world championships and, and if even if he'd have just had that one long run. Yeah, certainly, yeah. It's, uh, he does seem to flip and flop about and sometimes have time off just because he wants to play softball rather than focusing on it. I, I did hear a story once that Sid, even after he'd been in like the main event of WrestleMania, didn't realise it was much more than a house show. <laughs> so he quite literally had no idea what was going on around him. Yeah, he just wasn't, you know, just, just turned up to his job and went home. Wasn't watching the product or anything like that. <laughs> a WrestleMania crowd in front of him, he just goes, yeah, a lot of people have turned up tonight. It's not even yeah. on telly. I'm doing a good job here. Oh, dear. Yeah. In 1997, he loses the WWF title to The Undertaker at WrestleMania 13. Yeah, which, you know, if, if anybody is going to beat Sid, it's going to be someone like Undertaker. Late 97, he's got a neck injury and then he's in the Indies in 98. 99, he turns up in ECW. Oh, really? Yeah, he, well, he's not there for very long. ECW. He's not there for very long. He leaves because of monetary problems. But, uh, yeah, he was there for a yeah, cup of coffee. <laughs> ECW money problems never. Yeah, I can't believe you're saying that. 1999, he signs again for WCW, and then he has that awesome run as the Millennium Man that we've covered on uh, the first season oh. of Book in the Territory. The best Sid Vicious. Yeah. I mean, we've covered this many times. Sid's in the match for the vacant WCW title at Sold Out. Uh, he loses to Chris Benoit, who's going to be leaving the company the very next day. Mm-hmm. Ventrusa and Tank Abbott to win and uh, se- separated ways with WCW over that. But Benoit was the man. And then, um, yeah, so we're, we're in limbo again. Sid goes on and wins the revacated title, beating Kevin Nash uh, in the final. But he's stripped of the title Good. because in the qualifying match for this, he pinned the wrong Harris brother. Kevin Nash, oh. who's commissioner of WCW, awards the title to himself. And then Sid wins the title from Nash. So uh, that's the fourth title reign in nine days. So it's Benoit, vacant, Sid, vacant, Nash, Sid. Hey, vacant got a couple of good title runs in, in that time. Yeah, yeah, in, in nine <laughs> days. Yeah, so I mean that that, that that's absolute lunacy though, really, isn't it? It's, I can understand short title reigns and and you know if it's a rivalry and it's it's been shared with two pe- between two people, but that is just in the realm of clusterfuck. Yeah, so Vince Russo often gets you know the, this thing of swapping the title a lot in WCW. This is the first nine days that Sullivan Taylor and Ferrara are in charge of booking um, that this all happens in. So yeah, and as we uh, we keep trying to tell people. Just because it was shit in WCW doesn't mean it was Russo. No. On the 9th of June 1999, Sid signed a three-year deal. The first year, it was $800,000 plus $50,000 for each pay-per-view. Second year, $850,000 plus $55,000 per pay-per-view. And third year, $900,000 plus $60,000 per pay-per-view. In the first year of the contract, he worked six pay-per-views. So that was a total of $1.1 million. So at this oh. point, you get 0.59 SIDS for a Tank Abbott. I'd rather have the Tank Abbott. Yeah. And that, that, that's a really hard decision, but I'd rather have the Tank Abbott because Tank Abbott was the logical choice to make champion when they made Benoit champion. 
Yeah, they, sh- they should have made Tank Abbott champion at that point. I did really enjoy Sid's work in 99-2000 in WCW. Um, yeah. I really did. Whichever way you went with it, Benoit was the wrong answer because he was never going to stay if Sullivan was uh, in creative. But yeah, you, can, you can dangle that carrot of the world championship in front of him all you want. It just means that in Benoit's mind, potentially, it's just a bigger fall from grace under Sullivan's booking. Yeah. yeah, but as well, you know, it shows the difference between how wrestlers view wrestling and how fans view wrestling. You know, fans might see it as being prestigious. Benoit would rather go and work in some awful storylines in WWF than be WCW champion. Yeah, because, I mean, well, I mean, that's true in essence, but it's a little bit oversimplifying the situation. Um, oh, yeah. There's the personal relationship with um, Kevin Sullivan, you know, it's completely untenable, you know, but the reality is that that's what happened, even though, yeah, there is the personal dynamic that was clearly unworkable. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know what it says about Sullivan that he was willing to offer what is seemingly an olive branch to Benoit in, in, in the WCW title and Benoit having so little faith in him or whatever that he just went, yeah, I'd rather go over there and be mates with be mates with the sex offender because that's the gimmick that they were running for Dean Malenko at the time. Yeah, because it Hobson's choice or whatever, you know, it's not good. Mm. It, it'd be a great... Um, a great what if though, you know, what if Ben last stayed and and you know had a run as WCW champion under Sullivan's booking? Um, if only uh, if only we knew a podcast that dealt in what ifs, you know, if uh, you know someone oh Badlands maybe. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a challenge extended. Yeah, Mags, get on it. Yeah, I, I will tell Andy Payton on you. Yeah. <laughs> So now we're going to go to uh, a clip from the episode from season one of UTT where we were joined by Andy from Bam Bam Podcast and Beth and we went through Tank Abbott's title match against Sid. Just important to remember again that we viewed this in isolation and, you know, we didn't know what we know going into it now. My next one is something that sort of straddles a positive and a negative. And it's uh, Tank Abbott versus Sid Vicious throughout the show. Like, having people give their predictions, members of the roster and, and Nick, you know, Nick Patrick give predictions throughout the show and just having a rough explanation why, even though the expl- explanations at times were crap, it built the intrigue. And then there was a, there was a bit over-egging the pudding having the match graphic on every, you know, every 10 minutes. But it, it built it throughout the show. It was, you know, it was something different. I don't think we've seen something like that really uh, for a good long time of you know having predictions of how a match is going to go so the billing it as Sid's like size and power versus Tank Abbott's overall fighting skill and punching power and then it finally gets to the match and Jesus <laughs> fuck. you know you got you got things you got Tank Abbott coming out on a motorbike proving that he was the inspiration for Undertaker's American Badass and then you've got Sid, who comes out to the best dubbed music in the whole world. I like that music. Is that was that his music or not? No, no it was a dub. Ah, oh, I like that music though. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. I like that music. Yeah. There's only one decent dub on the network, and it's Sid's WCW dub. Mm. Yeah, it really is. And then the match starts, and you've got Tank Abbott, who's straight in with the body shots before Sid can even turn around. Which, you know, fair enough. Jump the start, and he grabs a guillotine choke and. 
he gets the longest four count ever to break that choke when Sid's in the ropes. It is absolutely ridiculous. But the whole thing is just Sid taking body shots and fucking about. Apart from the one bit where Abbott picks Sid up and just decides to put him down with a little bit of force and maybe pull his hair a bit. And he gets a cobra clutch. And then just, you know, Tank Abbott jaws with the crowd. And before you know it, Sid's grabbed a sleeper, wrestled Tank down, grabbed a crossface. And Tank Abbott, who they'd been saying is, you know, he's undefeated or whatever. He's got all this punching power, yada, yada, yada. And he taps out. And it's like, well, if he had all that punching power and he had a clear shot to the ribs, why didn't he just try and punch him in the face when Sid was trying to protect his ribs? <laughs> now, I, I, I watch a lot of boxing. Maybe I'm overthinking it from a boxing point of view, but you go body, you either go head, body, head, body, or body, head, body, head. <laughs> you know, it just, it was a lot of build. And I, I've grown to actually like Sid through the course of all this. You know, like looking at the uh, the Monday Night Wars and, and doing the pay-per-view reviews on that 90s wrestling podcast. I've grown to quite like Sid. But this just was such a low point after a fairly decent build. Yeah, I was quite excited to see, because again, I, I had no idea how this main event finished or so for the build up, I was like, I'm quite excited to see this because I've never seen I've never seen Tank Abbott wrestle before, surprisingly. And <laughs> uh, you know, Sid's always good value. But um yeah. He ends up he ends up dancing with three count, mate. I know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean this is um yeah. I mean it's if you compare it to again if you I, I watched the Raw, which was up against this, and the main event, I'm assuming the main event, well, the main, the Raw main event probably started a bit earlier than this, but it was The Rock versus Triple H in the big show, like a handicap match, and The Rock had to win to get into the WrestleMania main event. Oh, so um, that'd be, yeah, that would be building to the, the Far Corners match where each yeah, McMahon yeah. had a representative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, this in comparison to that is pretty. Uh, and again, it was it was a, kind of a slow match, wasn't it? So Tank Abbott gets the upper hand and then you know try to choke Sid out, and then Sid you know makes a recovery and makes Tank Abbott tap out in thirty seconds. The uh, the lauded UFC fighter. Mm. Yeah, you had some thoughts about this match, didn't you, Beth? Um, they've got a little legs and it was very boring. That's all I wrote. <laughs> Yeah, it was, yeah, 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 yeah. But somehow it was really short and still really, really boring, which is quite an achievement, really. The thing is, I've seen, a, I've seen a, a YouTube playlist of the best wrestling matches that are under 10 minutes. Yeah. And a sub-10 minute match can be absolutely oh, yeah. brilliant when done the right way. This, uh, The majority of this show is sub-10 minute matches done the wrong way. Yeah. The other thing with this match, and there's lots of instances where wrestling companies will be quite petty with what they show on television because they want to take a, a shot at someone, you know, Cody with the sledgehammer on AEW, this whole thing with Karrion Cross not being given his proper entrance on Raw and losing to Jeff Hardy, you know, the, the sort of petty politics. And, and petty politics come into this match. So the previous creative team had wanted to have Tank Abbott go over Sid at the end of a, a Battle Royal and had been sacked for the suggestion so the fact that they're putting on here and tank abbott losing so easily after being so dominant it is a side swipe at that the other side swipe is obviously benoit has gone to wwf 
Mm. So Sid has now started doing the crossface as his finisher. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. one of the fallouts of Sid doing the crossface as his finisher is he does it on Nash. And Nash is legitimately out injured from Sid's crossface. <laughs> so, you know, th- this whole thing of giving him a move is not, ca- is not okay yeah. with doing. And just doing it to sort of take the piss out of Chris Benoit, who's on the other channel, it, it just seems ridiculous yeah. and th- this whole match was designed just so the current wcw creative team could have a in joke against the people that they didn't like yeah and that sums it up really didn't it yeah why why did why did he go out of business in like a year's time well i mean because of lack of t-shirts i've yeah. told you yeah. I said, yeah. the first thing i said yeah, yeah. lack of t-shirts skinny legs yeah yeah i mean you know, re- wrestling is just full of this. You know, every single wrestling promotion does it, but I, I think we have to call them out when they do it. And yeah, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. And this, um, this year, it, it was absolute bollocks. Why uh, was it goes back to the? It goes back to when we're looking at the '95 Raws, Robin, the or '96, and they had the billionaire Ted skits. That was just petty. Yeah. 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 The, they built it up all night, and the, the payoff was them having a chuckle in the bar after the show. Yeah, and, th- and this isn't even necessarily to have a go at Benoit. Having to go at Benoit as a byproduct. This is a company's creative team having to go at the previous creative team. So the only people that can hurt is themselves. Yeah. And why yeah. give Sid the submission hold? Like, <laughs> it's like this great technical wrestler, you know? Just having powerbomb, having powerbomb people. That's all we want to see Sid do. Mm-hmm. During the Russo and Ferrari era, when he was doing the Millennium Man stuff and coming down and powerballing people and, be, and being kind of a white meat baby face, I, th- I thought he was really good. Yeah. I miss his manager, Seth. Oh, Seth was brilliant. Love Speaking Seth. of managers. I love that kid. Speaking of managers. No, I just felt like the whole thing, it just proved how men are weak. Well, the whole show. Is yeah. it? Yeah. It just reminded me, honestly, it was the whole thing that just, it was just very, very sexualised, which is fair enough, it was the era. But I think they should have given something for us women. I would like to see Paul Heyman do something similar to Miss Hancock. When you saw Tank Abbott, you said that's what a real man should look like. Yeah, it is. Despite the skinny legs. Yeah. But it, it, was just, but it just reminded me of Mega Slam. It was like you had Team Nasty and Team Good, Good or whatever it was, and it would, it would just, it would just that there were no storyline as such. Well, obviously I haven't seen the previous episodes, but it was no different watching that to watching Mega Slam. Thing is, right? You think about it. The lack of t-shirts just made them like this whole just oh, you're just the bad guys because you're all in black. Yeah, but well, at least at Mega Slam I could get um, you could get like curry and chips. You could. Although I got I got Korean chips at Mega Slam at Colm Muni, and like one went the wrong way and came out of my nose, and it was the most horrific. <laughs> what a chip! Yeah, like, a, like literally blowing a chip out of my nose. And I remember seeing it years, How did you get years ago. You bend. I have no idea. It was one of the most horrific experiences of my life. It's been in Colm. Been in Colm, <laughs> and then that happening. <laughs> so, so you basically had like fried nasal potato play-doh it was awful 
I, I, did the skin of the chip get like stuck and did just like the white potato come out? Or... It took ages. I kept trying to blow on it. It took ages to uh, to come out. It was like I, a furball, but with the chip. And I just wanted to die. <laughs> why didn't you just go the other way then and just go like, excuse the noise down the thing, but why didn't you just go? <clears throat> and like... it, it, was, it was too big. It had to. Oh, Look at his face. He's trying to work out how medically this works. It's no, I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. It's so, Andy, how how would you go about helping someone who had a chip stuck in their airway that was coming out of the nose? I mean, if it was stuck in their airway and coming out of their nose, it'd be a fucking long chip, mate. To be honest. I phrase that badly, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not medically minded. No, my first instinct would be to think, well, how did they get there? But obviously, if someone stops breathing, <laughs> then you'd be like, well. We need to get it out. I mean, if you're going to get anything stuck in your airway, chip's not a bad thing, is it? Because generally, it, it was it a French fry or was it a? Uh... Yeah, it was a French. It was a French fry. Okay, yeah. So... It, it was a, it was a McCain's oven chip chunky fry that yeah. was about like a foot long. And how did you? you were you coughing when you ate it, or were you like? Uh, I just felt like you know the thing at the back of my throat, and I was blowing my nose, and it was just coming out, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Still shiver. I mean, I mean, this this is a show where I spoke to El Ligero uh, and okay. I, I still I still think the chip is the worst thing that happened to me that night. <laughs> <laughs> I can't actually. You have to you have to send me some diagrams. I can't actually get my head around this, but I, I still don't know how that chip ended. It went into your mouth and somehow ended up in your nose for a chip. That is, I, I, that, that is an achievement. This segment of the show. Yeah, because it's because because Rob getting a chip in his nose through his from his mouth into his nose is more interesting than what happened on this episode of Nitro. I mean, I had on, on like surprising things that come out of people's body parts. I had a man <laughs> once who had a leg ulcer came in, old chap, and I took the bandages down, and a, a, a fly came out of the inside of his bandage of his leg ulcer. So, Ooh. yeah, it's awful. That was quite strange. At least it wasn't a chip. It wasn't a chip, no. no. <laughs> but, it, was, it was a whole potato. <laughs> yeah. So, so I take it Tank Abbott versus Sid isn't going on the... Uh, <laughs> on the... Tank Abbott oh, yeah, that's what we're talking Abbott. about. Yeah. If it was Russ right. Abbott versus Sid, I'd have, I'd have put that oh, on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Russ Abbott versus Sid Waddell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sponsored by Hamlet, the smooth cigar. <laughs> I miss I... Sid Waddell doing the darts commentary. Yeah, he was good, wasn't he? he was great. So there you have it, Dan. The uh, the streak is over. It's twelve three and one. Sid Sid wins. Yeah, and you can't really argue with a guy Sid's size and and the fact he's world champion going over Tank Abbott. But Tank got a fair amount of offense in still. Yeah, I mean there was very little offense from Sid until the end when he puts the uh, cripple cross face on for reasons because they're deciding that. They're going to have Sid doing Benoit's finisher. Yeah. Apparently, Tank Abbott was promised the WCW title at this point. Tank Abbott, in a shoot interview, said that, well, he didn't really have any regrets about it. He had a great time on the day going around on the motorbike and filming all the vignettes in the lead up <laughs> to the match sort of thing. But yeah, at, at the time, they, they said that they were going to make him champion and sort of make good on um, them not going with him as champion. Uh, it's uh, sold out originally and then you know last minute plans change and it stays with Sid yeah and that, that that's a bit of a shame but again you can't really fault Sid as champion it's 
It's weird. It would have actually been better if Sid had got a bit more in. Yes. Yeah. Cause... It, it did feel a bit ridiculous that, you know, Tank absolutely dominated the match and then Sid just grabs a hold and that's that. Yeah. But it is what it is. You know, he's that's his first defeat and his first defeat's come at the hands of a world champion and a guy who's nine inches taller than him and about 60 pounds heavier. So, yeah. You know, Tank's technically out of his weight class, which might not mean much to him, but it, just physically it will. So I can't have too many complaints, but being a Tank mark, I wish he'd won. Yeah, I wish Tank had won at this point. You know, it does well, feel... I, I wish he'd won at sold out, to be fair, because that would have been the perfect point to strap him. And the thing is, that, that reign didn't need... Tank's reign as WCW champion didn't need to be long. No. It could, it could have been a few weeks. It could have been to the next pay-per-view. And, you know, there has been some turgid creative from Sullivan, Taylor and Ferrara during this point. You know, it did really feel like it was going somewhere under Russo. And we would have kept the radicals, you know, Benoit, Malenko, Saturn, you know, would have all stayed in WCW. Imagine and, the matches that those four guys could have got out of Tank Abbott. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chris Benoit versus Tank Abbott, you know. Perry, yeah. Perry, Perry Saturn versus Tank Abbott. Saturn was no slouch. Malenko versus Tank Abbott. Yeah. And obviously, Eddie Guerrero. You know, all those guys could put enough together and avoid the punches and be elusive. Because that's, that's one thing yeah. we haven't seen, really. We've seen people try to go toe-to-toe with Tank Abbott. Yeah. And then, well, and then Sid grab a hold. But nobody's actively avoided the punch. And tried to like just keep him grounded, but all those four guys had the wrestling skill, and the nous, and you know Guerrero, and they all had uh, a few of them had the high flying ability to prevent yeah. to present a new challenge. Well, as part of the radicals leaving, um, Shane Douglas and Conan uh, left for a little bit. Uh, obviously, they come back, but Shane Douglas Tank would have been brilliant at this point. I mean, can yeah, you imagine Shane Douglas promos? You know, being oh. being. You're believing is the bee's knees and whatever, and you know, and eventually leading up to uh, Tank Abbott sparking him out. It would have been an amazing program. You're going to get your ass franchised, and Tank just, yeah, absolutely. Oh, it would have been absolutely brilliant. But you would have got a month's worth of brilliant franchise promos in in the lead up to it. Yeah, and you you could have got a month's program out of Douglas and out of the rest of the radicals and out of Conan. That's six yeah. months right there of, of at least Nitro. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's it, it's a real shame. It, it, it's such a missed opportunity. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, people, you know, look back and laugh at Tank Abbott, but I, I think it was a real opportunity to go a different direction with WCW. Yeah, and have a legitimate hard bastard as your champion. And, and you know, we, I've, I've said half-jokingly before, I would have loved to have seen Tank Abbott being the destroyer and being the knockout artist while being the three-count stand, while being WCW champion. Yeah. That would have been absolute gold because he's just legitimate in whatever he does. He walks out, he sparks people out, he's the champion. He also happens to like this boy band. Question, you know, question me if you want. Fuck you, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that could be it. You know, maybe... It's Tank Abbott and Free Count versus the Revolution. Yeah, exactly. 
he needs some tag team partners, but he can't be bothered finding anyone, so he just goes and grabs the boy band. I like the way you lot sing. Come help me out. Yeah. Sorry, you're right. Imagine that. Radicals on one side, of the, who were the radicals on one side, Abbott and Three Count on the other. Radicals kick the ever-loving shit out of Three Count. Yeah. But when they're down and out, in comes Tank Abbott, world champion. Bang. Out. Done. Yeah. The more we talk about this, the, the more I'm annoyed it didn't happen. And especially, <laughs> yeah. especially with the awful way that you know the, the radicals go on and be booked in WWF. Everybody loses in this scenario. The actual scenario that played out, both WCW and WWF lost. I think we need to uh, propose a, uh, a Badlands takeover and do, between us, do... What if Tank Abbott became WCW champion? Yeah, well, the the offers there, lads. If you you want to do that, <laughs> when you hear this in six to eight weeks, <laughs> we've already given you all our ideas. <laughs> oh no, that's that's just part of it. Yeah. We've got twenty years to book Tank Abbott, the modern day Bruno Sammartino. <laughs> yeah, t- Tank Abbott turns the uh, David Flair, Daphne, Miss Hancock, Crowbar, Love Square into a Pentagon. <laughs> and summons the kiss demon and <laughs> <laughs> actually has him win some matches <laughs> just not against Tank <laughs> no not against Tank no he can go through free count and then <laughs> so instead of going through hashtag Tank Facts this week thought I'd do something a little bit different seeing as you know, we've, it's the first loss so mm-hmm. we, we just posted from the UTT Tank page on UTT Tank Twitter we said um, who is this with a picture of Tank Abbott and said wrong answers only please and we've had some responses to that mm. so a work in progress podcast at AWI pod said the big boss man <laughs> oh bless he was boss man oh no I'm not, I was going to I was going to say something sarcastic and then I remembered that Ray Trailer is dead and he's an absolute sweetheart, but... We'll turn away from that one. John Kerpis, at Kerpis, said, Ed Durr. Now, I've looked this up. Ed Durr is a New Jersey... Uh, is in the New Jersey Senate. Uh, but actually, Ed Durr looks remarkably like Ed Ferrara in 2022. All right, I can see, I can see where they're coming from there, but... <laughs> actually, in this one picture, uh, Ed Durr looks more like... Michael Keaton trying to play the vulture in about 20 years' time. <laughs> Danny at Scottish Juggalo said Jim Neidhart when he was doing the Who gimmick. Oh, who? Who? Wayward Son at Mark Firth 316, up the town Mark, said Big Bully Busick. Don't know who that is. He's a guy with a handlebar moustache and a bowler hat uh, that was a jobber in the early 90s. <laughs> He looks like one of the Howling Commandos from uh, from the, the MCU movies. Fair play. I like that. The Universal Wrestling Podcast at the UW Pod just said dad question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. I like that. Gareth at Garvey Brewery at the Brewery said Johnny Clebates. Don't know who Johnny Clebitz is. Oh, Johnny Clebitz is a character in Grand Theft Auto. 
uh, Grand Theft Auto 4, that'd be why I don't know who he is. Mike P at Iron Mike Park said Slayer and posted a picture, and I can see that a little bit. Yeah, so can I. <laughs> That's brilliant. Corby at Corby HKY Central said Pat King's cousin. I've got to look up who Pat King is. I'm assuming it's not Pat King Cole. Yeah, he does have a bit of a look at Pat King, to be fair. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can get on board with that. Fair enough. Yeah, and Jimmy's inspiration at Jimmy Iconic said Chuck Liddell, which <laughs> another UFC. <laughs> that, that, that one popped me. That one actually popped me saying it was Chuck Liddell. I like that. Yeah, so we've had some absolutely quality uh, tanker likes there. Oh, tanker likes would be a fun, uh, be a fun segment to do. Yeah, so if you've got any hashtag tank facts, send them in, and if you've got any hashtag tanker likes, send them in. More so the tanker likes. If you see somebody who could be a wild tank abbot in real life, we want to know. But get your permission before you send photos in. Yes, don't be creepy. Don't be a dick. Ask them for a selfie and explain why you want the selfie. Yeah, and, and get them to listen to the podcast. And that. And where can people find you, Dan? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's about six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. Uh, you can also find uh, myself and Rob on the That 90s Wrestling Podcast pay-per-view review feed on Primetime Conversations. Go give James a, a like, share and a subscribe and all that jazz. Uh, you can also find me on the Doctor Who pod with Cy Powell where we're going uh, sort of old who, new who, uh, one episode per Doctor and just seeing what lands for each of us, size the old who and the new who, uh, just seeing what each of us like and you can find us there on Twitter at the Doctor Who pod which is T-H-E-D-R-W-H-O-P-O-D. Superb. You can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers. So I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back. You can find the main show at UTT Podcast. Uh, the first season we went through the highest and lowest rated episodes for each creative period of the Monday Night Wars for both Raw and Nitro. In season two, we're looking at firsts and lasts of wrestling. So it's really worth checking out. On the same feed, you can find the One Man's Meat podcast where Chris Bellis and Danny are absolutely knocking it out of the park. And you can go and listen to that for Forgotten Storylines and the Auditors of Wrestling. And it's really, yeah, really worth listening to. To find this show, you can go to UTT Tank and there's some hashtag tank facts on there. So you can you can go through those and they're uh, absolutely brilliant. You really enjoy those. And please feel free to send your own in. Yeah, send your own in and we'll go through them on the show. And um, the next match we're going to go to, Tank Abbott versus Buzzkill. It's Brad Armstrong, Buzzkill by name and Buzzkill by nature. <laughs> I mean, they say the best wrestling gimmicks are extensions of your personality, so I can see how Brad Armstrong ended up here. Can indeed. So that'll be interesting. Can Tank Abbott bounce back from his first loss in WCW? We're going we're gonna to find out. I bet he can. Thank you for listening. Motorcycle to the ring, Tank Abbott. 
I cannot believe this match is taking place. And I can't believe Sid's got to go into it with his bell rung already. You read the medical sports journals, post-concussion syndrome, stuff like that. Sid's taking a very dangerous risk here against a very dangerous man, but that's what it's like when you're the World Heavyweight Champion because there is only one of those, you know.